Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Capsule is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to preserve in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish, but they also pick one thing that they'd like to get rid of from their life, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the stand-up comedian Josh Jones, who was nominated for Best Newcomer at this year's Edinburgh Fringe. Born and bred in Manchester, Josh Jones is one of the most refreshing and original voices to emerge from the Northwest in recent years. In just a few years, Josh has gone from open mic performances to being a TV regular, with his breakthrough year coming in 2020 after making his hilarious debut appearance on E4's 8 Out of 10 Cats, and subsequent appearances on ITV's Jonathan Ross's Comedy Club and Channel 5's Goes Horribly Wrong series. 2021 saw Josh go on to host BBC 3's Fast Food Face-Off and make guest appearances on ITV 2's Ian Sterling's Celebability, E4's Reality News, and Comedy Central's Undeniable. Josh hosts his own historical gossip podcast, Dead Drama. He was nominated for the Hackney Empire New Act of the Year and named one of chortle.co.uk's Ones to Watch. He was also selected for the prestigious Pleasance Comedy Reserve at the Edinburgh Fringe and was a finalist in the BBC New Comedy Award, a launchpad for many great stand-ups, most of whom, like Josh, didn't win it. Josh is definitely going places, though. In fact, he may be going to a place near you as he's just about to start his first national tour. But before you book your tickets, let's find out what this brilliant young comedian will choose from his life to put in his time capsule. Here is the lovely Josh Jones. Let's talk about your enormous success in Edinburgh. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to do, actually. I'm glad to be back, though. Have you ever done a full month at the Fringe? 
I have done several actually over the years, but uh, yeah. particularly when I was young. I mean, you can cope with it better when you're young, I think. Yeah, it's really draining. By the end of it, I was like, oh, fuck me, I need to go home. But that's not just doing shows, though. That's going to see all the other shows, all the other people you know, all the people you meet. Yeah, basically, like, all the comedians in the UK go up, so it's basically just hanging about with loads of comedians, really. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> and drinking. Yeah, and a lot of drinking. <laughs> They give you those terrible backstage passes, don't they? Those passes into the special bars. Yeah. It's a special bar. Yeah, and they get a bit of discount on the drinks as well. I think <laughs> I think the Pleasance one was like 40% discount with theirs. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no, that's wicked. So it is quite dangerous. Yeah, particularly when you say to people, no, don't buy that drink there, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been doing it, Josh? Seven years, seven like years. seven and a half years, yeah. And what drove you into it then? I, I kept getting told to do it and then I just did it. So people just kept telling me to do it, really. Yeah. Um, but before before doing stand-up, I wanted to do like sketch and comedy acting, but then I think stand-up is more suited to me, really. And there's not much opportunity for those other things, I don't think. No, and I can't do any accents. <laughs> So, like, all my characters will just be gay men from Manchester. So it seems quite limited, really, when you just put yourself in that little bracket. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe it's easier to write sketches if you start everyone by a gay man from Manchester. Yeah. I have found it easier just to write stand-up. It's a lot easier. Yeah. And very funny. I've looked at some of your stuff. I've never seen you live. So oh, I'm looking forward to that treat. It's filth. absolute dirty dirty filth yeah that's the stuff yeah stuff that they won't let me say on tv i save (laughs) that for the comedy clubs well that's what we'd want to see i think yeah the thing is you can be as filthy as you like as long as it's funny yeah it's not all that filthy really i was just saying (laughs) that but no there is bits that are filthy yeah as long as it's funny it doesn't matter it's very relatable fantastic and then you're going on tour yeah, going on tour, um, it starts at the beginning of October. So mm. that's my first solo tour because I've just been doing the club circuit for years. Right. And uh, so I started in like working men's clubs and in the north. So <laughs> it's quite nice to do a tour instead. What, people who specifically come to see you? Yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of the blokes at those gigs, I'm a bit of a shock. <laughs> so um, it'd be quite nice. Yeah, people who know what they're walking into mm. is quite good, actually. Yeah. So how did people react when you first started? Do you take a really thick skin to do the sort of thing you do, I think? It takes, um, you know, the f- the first couple of years, you're just learning how to do it and, like, Like with acting, you can be in a rehearsal room with a director and you can kind of practice behind closed doors. But with stand-up, you can only really do it on stage. So the first couple of years, you're just um, absolutely dying on your ass, really. (laughs) Once you figure that out, you get over it and then you get dead good. But um, every comedian, the first couple of years, just dies on their ass. Mm. It's kind of a rite of passage, really. Yeah, I think it is. Although I like the idea that if you do the sort of comedy which is, in fact, just uh, talking to people, I mean, if you're Tim Vine, you're quite clearly saying, this is a joke, laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they don't, 
I mean, already's got lots to go on to, but it's very clear that that didn't work. Yeah. But in that process where you're just saying, you know, I was talking to my mum the other day and we did this and she said that and then I said this and then that made me think of this and then when I was at school. And you can, in fact, just turn that into a monologue where you're just telling people about your life. Yeah. And sort of go, well, I didn't intend any of that to be funny. But if you're going to do, like, the club circuit, which is where I make a lot of my money and it's stag and hen dues, mm-hmm. it has to be fast-paced because they're on a Friday night, Saturday night out, they're bladdered. <laughs> then you have to keep their attention, otherwise they're not going to be happy. So it has to be really a lot of jokes in a short amount of time, just boom, boom, mm. boom. Yeah. Oh, my God. You brave young soul. That's all I can say. Well, I've been doing it seven years now. I can't really quit because I've had a gap on my CV for ages, so I don't know what else I would do. <laughs> what have you been doing? I've been in prison. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think you'd actually be more employable, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so it's too late to turn back now. Yeah, well, don't, don't. It's great yeah. the way you're going. I mean, I know people have been doing it a lot longer than you and actually going out on your own tour after seven years is very fast progression. Yeah, I know. I think I think some people, because I started doing TV and stuff and a lot of my friends are like, oh, finally. But I'm like, no, I, I'm moving quick. Like, yeah. they, they, like, I don't think a lot of people really understand how long it actually takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they suddenly see Peter Kay and think, well, there you are. He just stood up one day and started talking like that. Yeah, no, that's just not the case at all. No. Just the other week I went to see Eddie Izzard in a rehearsal, rehearsing Great Expectations. Great Expectations. I'm trying to think which. Is that not the one with the train on the cover, is it? (laughs) No. 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 I don't Uh, think so. Which which one? Because it's Dickens. Oh, right, okay. I think they just started doing trains when Dickens was writing. Yeah, I've not read that one. That kind of <laughs> skipped me. Do you know what? If it's not got Bette Midler in it, I'm not that asked. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to be the wind beneath your wings then. Oh, thank <laughs> you. That was a good little quote. Well done. <laughs> Bette Midler had a really interesting start of her career because she started in... Um, so she's from... Um, Hawaii, but she moved to New York and then we started a solo show and she was doing it in a gay bathhouse. Um, but then it was getting like so much like attention and press has been such an amazing show mm. that then all the like highbrow acts theatre goers started going to the bathhouse to watch her <laughs> show so there'd be like loads of like gay men in next to no clothing or no clothing and then <laughs> people in like their proper suits and dresses amazing didn't barry manilow play the piano for her at one point someone famous did it might have been barry manilow that sounds about right i literally yeah. watched a documentary about her the other day and i yeah but um <laughs> um you're just waiting for her to sing yeah, well, I, I've watched I watch a documentary about her quite often. There's a few people who I watch the documentaries. Um, have you seen? There's a Joan Rivers documentary, and I watch that at least like once a year. Do you know whenever you're just feeling not that motivated? Yeah, watching that just gets me back in the swing of it. Yeah, absolutely. And any stand-up comedian who hasn't watched Joan Rivers is a fool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, talk about a joke machine. Mm, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've started gigging abroad now, <laughs> so now now I've got to a level where I can gig abroad. I'm like, oh, 
Well, if I do two shows while I'm away for the week, I can put the flight on my tax. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of a way of thinking about it. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and also you can then say, yeah, Ibiza, I can do two gigs I, there. Yeah, you can do gigs in Ibiza, yeah. <laughs> I just did Prague and Copenhagen. Right. And that one, so, yeah, that was fun. Is that stag do's? Um, no, uh, they were both um, very quite well-mannered. Do you know what, uh, though? Because when you start comedy on the Northwest comedy scene, like, and I was gigging in all the working men's clubs, I was gigging in barns for farmers. <laughs> so, like, when you start off there, do you know what I mean? It's quite nice going other places because Copenhagen, they were all super lovely, like, liberal, everything was amazing, dead chilled and calm, so. Mm -hmm. And everywhere seems classy. Yes, yeah, it seems. But, do you know, in Copenhagen, they still have Neto, right? And I thought that was quite crazy because you can't see it over there. But over there, yeah, it was a bit, it's a big deal, Neto. When I, well, I was walking to the theatre and I saw a big Neto and then I sent a picture of it to all my family. <laughs> 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 Not an interesting story, but I I'd tell you anyway. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lovely. All right, well, let's um, let's look at the things that you've chosen to put into a time capsule that you think are precious in your life. From any time. They can be anything from any time, Josh. Okay. Um, my granddad's got a walking stick that he doesn't use, and he, uh, he found it in the canal <laughs> in Manchester. <laughs> but it's... Um, it's very, it's very Charles Dickens-esque, actually, talking uh -huh. about Charles Dickens. Yeah, it's like proper old school, and it's quite chipped now, but it was, do you know one of the walking sticks where it curves at the top, like the proper yeah. wooden ones? And then it had, um, it's got like a metal badge on the front of it. It was quite fancy looking. And my granddad found it in the canal in the 90s when I was younger. And um, I always used to just like, play with it and I basically I'd hit my brother with it really it was <laughs> my walking stick and we used to go to my gran and granddad's every Sunday so now because they're in the 90s and stuff and my granddad was saying about you know eventually he's gonna pass away whatever and he's like and I said the only thing I definitely want is that walking stick because <laughs> it just reminds me of my childhood because he had a few walking sticks and we used to just fight and stuff. He also, he had a, do you know, a bayonet sword? Yeah. Yeah, so he had one of them in um, in his bedroom. <laughs> and um, he used to let me and my cousin do target practice on the bedroom wall because the wallpaper was diamond shaped. So him and my gran's bedroom wall had loads of holes in it. I'm <laughs> so shocked that they let us do that. But yeah, my granddad used to teach us how to, Stab, which is so weird. <laughs> I, and he, he had a throwing knife as well, and he used to take us out um, into the field behind his house, and we'd just be practising throwing a throwing knife at a tree. But it, this was in, like, a field in Manchester, so there'd just be normal people walking the dog. And then I'll be, like, throwing a throwing knife, and my granddad would be like, not good enough again. So... <laughs> Yeah, he, he was training you for Armageddon. Uh, you're the man who can protect himself. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, and then with the with the walking stick, he used to do little sword fights with me. So that walking stick reminds me of all of those. So I would put the walking stick in there. Did you go as a family on a Sunday? I would go with my brother, 
And then maybe my dad might turn up because my mum and dad weren't together. So my mum would drop me off and then maybe my dad would turn up. My cousins would turn up. Sunday was just the day where it was open house. Mm. So whoever turned up, turned up. And we we had um, loads of cousins and quite a big family. So, yeah, Sunday was a day where everyone just knew it was open house at my gran and granddad's. And we all used to just go throughout the day, if you know what I mean. And my gran yeah. is like the best cook ever, so. Did she do traditional Sunday roast? No, she'd literally just whip up whatever you want. But we're, we're northern, so a lot, lot of pies were being made. <laughs> and my grandma taught me how to bake when I was about nine. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, there was a lot, there was loads of food, but my gran, yeah, she'd make a roast. She, she'd have, I don't even, looking at it now, it's like, it's mad because she had a bit of everything going. So... <laughs> She would have like soups made in case people turn up. So there was soups already on the stove. Because I had one cousin who only had buttered bread, which was a <laughs> bit weird. Yeah, but yeah, she'd make a roast. She'd basically make whatever you want. She was she was a great cook. Yeah. And she's got an allotment as well. So uh-huh. a lot of it was stuff that she's grown herself. Fantastic. Oh, God, I bet that was gorgeous. Yeah. But she needed to feed up your granddad, um, who I suspect... Never told you, but was almost certainly some sort of member of the SAS. Or... Oh, well, my, my brother has always thought that my granddad was some sort of spy. Ah, there you are. Yeah, but he is a joiner. He wasn't a spy. <laughs> what a brilliant cover. I did 40 years of joinery yeah. just to hide the fact. But you get some good stories being a joiner, really, especially because my granddad's 91 now, so there was no, um, what's it called, elf and safety or anything. No. It was a very, like, free-for-all. And um, so, yeah, his young days as a joiner, he had some wild stories. Do you remember any of them? Yeah, um, I remember um, he had a friend called Barney. So Barney worked with him on the building sites, and he's from the same part of Manchester as well, and they used to work on different building sites and stuff. But Barney would sing on weekends in working men's clubs. He was like a... Um, like a tenor sort of like and he was saying that um, one time he was at this working men's club with Barney and Barney started uh, singing and he got heckled by someone so Barney just came off and like proper just planted this guy in the face (laughs) and then before they know it they was in a pub fight they was in a proper bar (laughs) crawl and my granddad was getting flung across the table um, by like oh, two. I don't think so. Not with his SAS training. No, yeah, but he um, <laughs> he said that with Barney, they used to get in quite a few scraps. And my grand said about him um, coming home worse for wear a few times. And um, as well, there's a train track by the back of their house, and again, no health and safety. So they used to go to the pub and then just walk down the train track. <laughs> so yeah, it's a different world. Yeah, it's a different uh... world now. It's funny, isn't it? That idea of going out on a Saturday night, almost certainly with the knowledge that at some point somebody would start having a fight. Yeah. That's that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, I remember when I was, because I'm nearly 30 now, but when I was, like, 18, I think that used to be in my mind, the back of the, like, oh, it could kick off or whatever. Mm. Whereas now when I hang about with a load of performers, so I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, somebody's going to say something witty in a minute. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. So um, <laughs> it's a bit different. Yeah. 
Thank goodness. Yeah, thank God, yeah. Yeah. All right, brilliant. Let's let's put your granddad's walking stick. I'll put the throwing knife with it. And yeah. uh, we'll put that into the time capsule. That'll remind you of uh, of lovely times with him. Yeah. And now let's move on to number two and see if it reminds me of your gran. So my gran has um, a, a knife that she got. I don't know. I know another knife. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Your mum's going to have a Kalashnikov. Uh, no, yeah. So my grandma got a knife on her wedding day as a present, like a, you know, just like a cutting knife for mm. um, food and stuff. But they've been married nearly 70 years. So the blade is like 70 years old, more or less. Oh, yeah. And the, the handle is so, well, I don't, I know it's a podcast, so people won't be able to see, but like it's only a couple of inches because um, the handle is snapped. Like, because right. it's so old, but mm. my grandma still, she still chops with it. And it's like, it's the only knife she ever uses oh. um, to cook with. It's so weird because it, you would look at it and be like, oh God, it's a broken knife, but she can yeah. use it better than any other knife because it's just part of her hand. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. Has she sharpened it to the point where it's sort of, it, it's almost run out? Yeah, yeah, it's, you can tell it, it's proper worn and torn. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love it. I just love it because she's a woman of like, she likes her stuff and it's her wedding knife. So, and mm. I think because she's had it for so long, they, they got married when they was like 20, 21, they're both in their early 90s. So, wow, 70 years. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it'll be like 69 or 70 years. I think wow. we're pushing 70 years of them being married. Mm. Because I'm a comic, I should have probably chosen something more funny, but... <laughs> no, I don't I, think so. Feel no pressure to be funny. It's really interesting, the idea that out of all the things with your gran, you think of this knife. And I, that description of it being something like it's part of her hand or it's an extension yeah. of her hand, that makes it very, very clear. You see it and you think to yourself, it's extraordinary. Because people do that, don't they? It's almost like a tennis player saying, this is not strung properly, I can't play tennis all of a sudden. Yeah, or, yeah. or a golfer breaking their favourite putter. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. But I've never seen a cut with a different knife, <laughs> like any anything. Um, so it's just part of a random. Lovely. Think of it. What's your grand's name? Her actual name? Um, well, well, her birth name is actually different to her because um, Pauline is a middle name and Mary is a first name, but everyone knows her as Pauline, mm. and people forget that. Uh, she's called Mary because, um, <laughs> yeah, even I sometimes forget that, but she's actually called Pauline. Isn't it funny those names that come in and out of favour? Mary. Yeah. Mary was just the most popular name in the country for a long time. Well, my granddad's sister's called Mary as well. Yeah. So, but, yeah, um, yeah, my grand goes by Pauline. Pauline as well, though. That's very specific from time, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you don't see many Paulines. My mother-in-law is called Doreen. Yeah. We all call her Doreen. Yeah. But actually, she always introduces herself as Doreen. Doreen. Oh, that's very yeah. missive. Is it Mrs. Havisham or whatever? Where, no, where, what was the one? Mrs. Bouquet. Mrs. Bouquet. Mrs. Yeah. Bouquet, yeah. But <laughs> it's weird saying my grand's name, Pauline, because when I said it, I was like, is that my grand's name? Because I only call her, gra- <laughs> I only call her gran. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's called Pauline. But yeah, I only call her grandma, so I don't know. You do as a grandchild. Yeah. My grandchildren call me granddad. Yeah. I think they know what my name is, but they call my wife Bam, B-A-M. What's her name? Mandy. Where's that come from? I've no idea. 
Does she know? I don't know. They just always have. The oldest one did, and the others have been introduced to her as Bam since they were tiny babies, so they all do it. Mm, it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. She wears socks that had the words... Bam on them. They do, yeah. That's a nice... But it's nice, though. Granny Bam. That's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite cute. But then Mandy as well, that's a name that's a very particular time in our history when people were called Mandy. Mandy, yeah. When I was at school, we had lots of Julies. Well, me stepmum's a Julie. Oh, there you yeah, are. Yeah, but I, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be funny in 30, 40 years when I'm Granddad Josh. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. Names come in and out. I was just saying that, and I'm not really quite sure why. My grandchildren think it's really funny that my mother was called Olive. Oh yeah, that, which is, that it is, is quite funny. It isn't is it? quite funny. My because <laughs> my mum's middle name is Winifred, and I think that's hilarious. Amazingly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Winifred. Yeah, but my my mum's sister was called Queenie. Oh, what's that short for? What I don't think it's short for anything. I think it was her name. Her name was Queenie. Oh, why? Yeah, that would have been after Queen Victoria. Queenie. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder if people will listen to this and go, do you know what? As a tribute to our great late Queen, I'm going to call my child Queenie. Queenie. There might be a few people born this year called Elizabeth. A lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that name will really come back into favour, won't it? Yeah. Because Victoria is kind of... I've got a cousin called Victoria. So I think that's kind of our way. You get loads of Vickies. That's not really... Yeah. Yeah, that name's not died out, really. No, it hasn't, no. But Susan? Susan, yeah. They're sort of faded away somewhat. Yeah, I couldn't imagine a baby Susan. <laughs> yeah. Or like a baby Tony. <laughs> Tony? Yeah. Oh, no. And all the Garys have gone. Yeah, there's no Garys. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I had a friend called Garth, which I always thought was a cool name. Wow. Yeah, like Garfield. God, that's amazing. Yeah. Which was the name of the great West Indian cricketer, Garfield Sobers. Okay. He was called Gary Sobers, but his real name was Garfield. Oh, I was just thinking of the cat. Of the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Probably. Okay, Josh, I'm going to put your grand's lovely knife, the broken-handled knife, into the time capsule. That's number two. Brilliant. Yeah. So let's move on to number three. Okay, it's ad break time, but never fear, we will return in a flash. See you in a moment. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to My Time Capsule with the stand-up comedian Josh Jones. Let's find out what else this charming man will choose for his time capsule. Um, so the next one is a memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I'll show you on the Zoom. I got my finger chopped off and sewn back on. Oh wow! Can, yeah. can you see the scar in the middle? I can. And they did. They did manage to sew it back on. I was trying to escape from primary school because I was just had enough that day. And do you know the metal fences with the three sharp spikes? Yeah. Well, I was climbing over that, and I got my finger stuck, and I fell off, and the finger stayed on. Oh my god! But they, they did manage to reattach the finger. But um, I was bed bound for a month because you wasn't allowed to move your finger. So I was in an hospital bed for a month because I had to lie there with my hand up and uh, I was like being sponge bathed. And then obviously, like, you have to go to the toilet and stuff and they put a tray under your bum. And I loved it. I really loved it. <laughs> I, I felt like I was like a queen or something. <laughs> I, I remember... Um, I remember being in hospital for that month. I don't know why. I have just such a fun memory of it because I was like centre of attention. <laughs> so how old were you? About six? I was ten. Ten. Yeah, I was right. ten. And I remember um I remember getting like ties and I remember going back to school like after about six weeks off and being like a massive celebrity. And I, I remember <laughs> I remember just like the attention and be like, oh, I love this. I love yeah. this attention. <laughs> but I, I always think to myself, is that when a like the seed of performing was put in my head because I I do like remember the attention because like my mum and dad split when my mum was pregnant with me mm. and I, they was both in me childhood and I would spend time at my dad's and time at my mum's but I never ever saw them in the same room my dad just dropped me off and like we walked into the house so I never saw them in the same room until I got my finger chopped off it was the only time in my memory I remember I woke up from the operation and my mum and my dad were in the same room I thought I died or what was going on but I um so like oh god they're in the same room and it's all about me and everyone because I'm the youngest as well I've got older siblings so it's like always right. oh, all about me so I think <laughs> I do think that's partly like maybe subconsciously put me on the path that I'm on now mm. in a weird way do you know what I mean yeah well, that's probably why you managed to survive those early years as a stand-up, because you associate being the centre of attention with pain. Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't care if it's painful as long as everyone's looking at me. <laughs> Just look at me, I don't care. I'll yeah. actually physically hurt myself to get your attention. <laughs> yeah, I've not really thought about that, but, yeah, that could definitely be it. <laughs> It's amazing, though, isn't it, that actually they managed to save your finger. You left your finger behind. Yeah. And does it work properly? Yeah, because it's a, it was a, a net, about an eight, seven, eight-hour operation because you have to sew all the nerve endings back together. So amazing. I can feel everything. I mean, it looks a bit cockeyed. <laughs> like if you, <laughs> no one can really tell unless they're proper show them, but, like, it does look a little bit like it's looking to the left, like a queen on the coin, yeah. like it's mm-hmm. like a nosy neighbour. 
Yeah, is... I've got a, I've got not as bad as you, but I've got a finger that is de- that one there. Do you see it? That it goes, it moves away. Oh, a the, little bit, yeah, to the a side. A little bit. That's because I was taking tiles off the wall, and I wasn't wearing gloves, and I went oh. bang and knocked this tile up, and it flew up, and it cut down, and it, it cut it so deeply. Yeah, I think it went right through everything, and I. I so hate blood and so hate hospitals uh, that I just strapped it up and just kept it, like you, kept it straight for ages and ages until it sealed. Yeah. But it's never been right. Oh, God. Can you feel in it now? Not as well as I ought to. And you just... you just The just... end of my concert pianist career. Yeah. Can you actually play? No. Yeah. I've tried so many instruments, but I can't play any because of my finger. Uh, I could probably do the drums. That doesn't affect it, but like, <laughs> no, probably, but yeah. like, I can't strum a guitar or anything, and it's really not delicate enough for like. It's quite a clumsy finger, really. My wife has a misformed finger, yeah. which was this is really horrible, Josh. When she was a baby, she grabbed the electric bar of a, an electric fire. Ah, no. And her middle finger was almost burnt away. Yeah. Oh it's God. Horrible. Yeah, that is horrible. But they managed to save it. Yeah. So she had a horrible time in hospital. That's what she remembers it. She remembers it being traumatic. But you were quite happy to just have a visitation for the two of them. Yeah, right. I've been in hospital quite a lot, and it's all because of injuries. It's not like diseases. It's I'm the most injured person I know. Like <laughs> I, broke, I broke a lot of bones. I broke my arms. I've got a metal screw in this arm. I'm very injury-prone. Actually, Josh, is that just showing off? You think? Yeah. Well, one of them, I broke my arm because I was on a, I was three years old and I was in a Batman costume on an early learning <laughs> slide. Do you know those early <laughs> learning slides? And I do, yeah. and I jumped off it thinking I was Batman. <laughs> but I smacked my head off a tree, concussed myself, and broke my arm. Oh, my God. My mum said it was really scary, actually. <laughs> I should imagine, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty scary bringing you up, yeah. it seems. Oh, yeah, no, because uh, this is why, like, when I told people I was starting stand-up, literally no one in my family was surprised. It was like, this makes sense, this is what you should be doing. Just because, mm. like, I've got so much material I can draw on because... I've just done so much stupid shit. I'm just really clumsy, really. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I love the idea of you trying to escape from primary school. Yeah. As if there were guards on each corner of the place. Well, I, I did used to I used to um, play truant quite a lot when I was at school. Mm-hmm. I um, Yeah, I, I, sometimes I'd just get a bit bored and go home. Yeah. Which is not good, really. If you've got the opportunity, why not? Yeah, in high school. I got in trouble for it quite a lot and, uh, yeah, got suspended and stuff. (laughs) 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 Well, let's face it, you know, afternoon telly is much more interesting than maths, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know. And it was research. I've started getting telework myself now. So, Uh, you know, I was doing research for when I'm on telly. That's a good way of (laughs) describing it. What telework have you done then? I've just loads of panel shows, did like eight out of ten cats and yeah, cats great. just count, count down. Just co- like comedy stuff, really. Mm. Have you done QI? A... I've not done QI, um, no. I don't know if I... I would love to, but I don't know yeah. if they'd book me. I don't know if I um, fit the criteria. They might think I'm a bit too stupid, maybe. Well, I think that actually they quite often require somebody to be stupid. Yeah. What you want is somebody to give silly answers. You want somebody yeah. to not know the answer. 
Well, it would be good, QR. Yeah. But no, I um, I've done, I've yeah, I've done bits and bobs. I've only just started doing telly in the last year or two, but mm. it is fun. I enjoy it. It's fun, yeah. Well, that's great because actually, a lot of people freeze up when they get on those panel shows. They feel that the competition of the people who've done it a lot is almost too much to fight against. Yeah, but because I started in the working men's clubs, if you do those gigs, you can you can You've got do, sharp elbows. You, you can yeah. yeah, you can do anything. And uh, I I emceed a lot of them as well. So if you can just think on your feet in front mm. of a load of builders and just riff, you're, fi- <laughs> you're fine. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It's very admirable, but well done. I'm glad you've got that skill. Fantastic. Okay, well, I'm going to put uh, that memory of leaving your finger behind that goes into the time capsule. Yeah. And the happy memory of being a king of the hospital. Yeah. So we've got one more good thing and one thing you want to bury. Oh, so um, I'll do the... I'll do... Oh, I don't know which good thing to choose. Okay. What are your options? I'm either going career or family. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what? I've done family, so I'll st- I might as well do another family member. Yeah, lovely. So I'll do because um, career is a bit selfish, isn't it? Really, but I am. Um, <laughs> we can Google that. Yeah, we don't know your family. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna um, put me bro- just my brother Sam. My memories with him because my mum was out a lot. She were working and stuff, so we um, we were at the house on our own because we've got other siblings, but they're at, aren't just on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's my only like full brother, and we was at the house in the house a lot on our own. And he was five years older than me, and we used to just um, proper fight, but like, <laughs> but it was like staged because we loved wrestling. So um, we'd be like, it, like, I'd be doing like flips off the banister because no one was <laughs> in the house. So we used to just like absolutely like cause mayhem. And I, it was so, so much fun. I would like clothesline each other. And because I was smaller as well, I used to, do you know, um, I don't know if you've ever watched any wrestling, but they have. <laughs> not, they have not a great deal, no. They have loads of moves where it's off like the top rope. So I'd like flip onto them and like, like basically somersault and like kick him in the head because <laughs> I was only 10 and he was 15. It didn't really hurt him that much. And it, it was just loads of fun. And we had a, like a, we made a, a wrestling belt cause, and we'd like fight each other for the belt. But, oh, obvi- brilliant. but obviously a lot of the times he would just let me win. Yeah. But um, yeah, he used to pick me up from school and then we'd just have a couple of hours just battering each other. It was dead, <laughs> it was dead fun actually. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. What a nice brother, though, because actually yeah. a five-year gap. I've got a younger brother who's five years younger than me, and, and I was given the responsibility of looking after him a lot, yeah. which yeah. clearly is what happened with your brother Sam. You know, so. Yeah, same. And I have very fond memories of being with him, but sometimes you thought, oh, gee, I really would rather be on my own. Oh, no, but sometimes he did. Uh, we did really overstep it as well. There was times where we actually really hurt each other. <laughs> I I had this, uh, when I was younger, I had this, like, bin. It was like a plastic bit. But do you like how you get the old school metal bins with the big circle of lids? And yeah. it was like, it, was, it looked like one of them, but it was just like a plastic tie bin. So right. I used to put my ties in it, basically. And... Uh, because I was young and stupid, I didn't realise 
I was sneaking up on my brother, but he was in front of a full-length mirror. And because I was so stupid, I didn't really realise that he could see me in the mirror because <laughs> I was only about four. So he turned around and booted this bin and busted me all nose open. <laughs> so um, This is just but, another example of you being yeah. rather accident-prone. But I think well, if you're going to do you know WWF in your front room, it's going to happen, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I remember the first, because um, obviously I'm a stand-up comedian, so I write a lot of jokes and stuff. Mm. I remember the first, like, joke, really practical sort of prank joke I ever did because I learned what the word anticipation meant at school, right? Yeah. So I thought, right, I'll hold on to that. So then later on that day, I said to me, brother, I said, oh, Sam, what does anticipation mean? And he goes... Oh, well, if you're anticipating, it means you you know something's going to happen. And I like cut him off and I said, anticipate this and then kicked him in the balls. (laughs) (laughs) It's a visual gag. Yeah. And that was like my first ever joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. And what does Sam do now? Oh well, oh he's a family hero because he said he um he was the first one in the family to go uni. Uh I did it five years later, no one would ask because it was no. Sam was Sam was the first one. But yeah, he was the first one to go uni and then he set up his own business and um yeah, he became like quite big business guy and then he's been been in like the Manchester Evening News a lot of times as like working class lad that does well and he's set up a charity and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, he's he's the family, you know, angel. Mm. He's been the successful one, but now I'm starting to get a bit of telly. I'm I'm <laughs> sli- like sneaking in front of him and I'm like, Haha, fuck you, Sam. So, <laughs> a little bit yeah. of telly would always do it, won't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now I'm becoming the golden child. <laughs> and and Sam can Living me shadows. Well, good old Sam. Well done him. I mean, I always think coming from very little and just saying this is what I want to do and doing it and then making a hit with it. Yeah. So many people are, are driven down in those situations or are made to feel that they can't do anything. So it's always amazing when people do it, I think. I think it was kind of, that's kind of why I felt like I could do it. He went uni and did media and set up like a media sort of advertising company sort of thing. Mm. And that's unlike anyone in we know. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, if he could do it, I could definitely do comedy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, he's very successful and a lot of people respect him, but I still think he's thick as fuck. So <laughs> if, he, if he can do it, I'll be all right. You're the talented one. <laughs> yeah. You can bring both your mum and dad into the same room. Yeah, I know. He's never done that. So there we go. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, let's put him into the time capsule. Though. Let's put those two hours between school and your mum coming home. Yeah. Brilliant. Um. And then now is it the memory you forget? Yeah, something you wish you could forget. Jamie Oliver. (laughs) Why? Because he's the reason. We used to have turkey twizzlers at school, right? Yes. And and then he came in with his healthy eating garbage (laughs) and got rid of turkey twizzlers. I don't know if you ever had a turkey twizzler. They They were the most addictive thing. It was like crack for kids. They were so good. <laughs> then Jamie came in. No, he can't have none of that. And honestly, I'm 29 
and I've still never forgiven him. <laughs> he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. He doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And I'd rather forget him and wipe him from my memory. <laughs> and then wipe turkey twizzlers as well, so I don't know what I'm missing. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Have they gone completely? Yeah, they've gone. You can't get them. They did like a rebrand of absolute garbage ones. They're not the same because they had all the, they did have loads of stuff in them that are really bad for you. But yeah. so he, you know, his morals were good, but I don't, I still don't agree with what he did. <laughs> but I, um, I don't even eat meat anymore, but I would I would for a turkey Twizzler. I'd go back. <laughs> I'd go way back for a turkey Twizzler. But yeah, um, so that's my that's my answer, Jamie. Well, Allen I'm back. very keen on the idea because a long time ago I did an advert for turkey Twizzlers. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Did you get to eat one? I didn't, unfortunately. No, no. What was your role? Um, there's a scene in Police Academy. Yeah, where the chief of police is making a speech at a podium whilst a prostitute gives him a blowjob. And as he's talking, he's trying to pretend it's not happening. Yeah. And the advert was based on that. It was only for cinemas. And the, I think the end line was, turkey twizzlers, gobble, gobble. That is horrendous, because cause I think of him as a childhood sweet, <laughs> like a childhood meal. Yes, who were they thinking they were selling them to? Yeah, they did them in school dinners. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, no, you honestly get the job. I'm I'm all for the actor getting the job. It's not you didn't write the script. No. So um get the job. But I um yeah, I do think that is crazy. <laughs> Isn't it just? Who knows what's gonna come up on these things? How fantastic though. It's really lovely to talk to you. I'm gonna put Jamie Oliver and his bloody healthy eating ways away. And they're gone. They're gone. Great, great. Josh, have a fantastic time on tour. And I look forward to seeing your meteoric rise to the point where, you know, Sam will be ringing you up and you say, oh, Sam, look, I'm really busy. Yeah. I'm having lunch with Robert De Niro. Yeah. He texted me today, actually. He said, oh, I'm busy. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me, pal. Thank you. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Josh Jones. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it enough to subscribe, and hopefully you will find time to rate us on your podcast provider. Some even give you the opportunity to write a review. We do read them all, so thanks to everyone who's taken the time to do such a thoughtful thing. If you want to get in touch with us or just keep tracks on what we're doing and what's coming up, you can follow me and my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. You can also download or stream the theme tune that's playing so sweetly in the background and spend hours trying to work out where the beats are, like I have. It was written by Pass the Peas Music and is deceptively complicated. This was a cast-off production for Acast, and the whole thing was produced by the very talented John Fenton Stevens, my adult son. Yes, yes, I know. Hard to believe, isn't it? In fact, my daughter is 40. <laughs> well, you're almost certainly shocked by that, and are involuntarily saying things like, What? You don't look old enough! Out loud on the train, causing everyone around you to stare and wonder what brilliant podcast you might be listening to to create such a reaction. Actually, if that has just happened, please tell them we could do with the extra listeners. Anyway, it doesn't hurt to contemplate your future. And if you're that way inclined, maybe even think about the hereafter. 
I spend much of my time contemplating the hereafter. That may surprise some of you, particularly after some of the things I've said on this podcast. But honestly, almost every time I walk into a room, I think, what am I here after? Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.